And now, it's time for Gray Matters. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Gray Matters is the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And boy, if you're coming into downtown Ann Arbor, get out your map because there are an enormous number of detours. Somebody didn't think some of this stuff out very clearly. It sort of all happens at once uh, when it happens at all. Packard is clear uh, to yeah. come. It was, I think, southbound uh, available only, but both ways on Packard are clear. But part of Hill's closed, part of Hoover's closed. But you were... Oh, I was going to mention, well, Huron's been uh, one lane either direction for many weeks now, but suddenly there seems to be something going on with Fuller Road in which they are detouring traffic southbound onto Maine so that you can turn left onto Huron to go into a one-lane traffic jam. It's uh, not good. And then Cary Town's torn up and Williams torn up. And, yeah, it's uh, it's an undeclared federal disaster area. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> um, you know, very interesting uh, to be sometimes a kind of a media junkie on Fridays, I just happened to be listening to a lot of radio that day for some reason. And it was kind of fascinating to hear the uh, sort of chronology of events transpire on Friday. Late in the day, by the way, Trump uh, lifted uh, the tariffs uh, on steel and aluminum with Canada and Mexico, something that's been happening for 14 months for no uh, rational reason other than Trump is trying to make some point that uh, escapes me. Well, not only was it not done for a rational reason, but they actually cooked up a BS reason for having done it in the first place, which was that it represented some sort of national security threat. Yeah. Which, let's face it, that excuse has been used in feeble instances before, but I don't think it's ever been less true. Right. They cited Section 332 of some obscure law. Uh, from the 60s, I don't know what that, uh, it had no credibility and just simply angered the uh, Mexican and Canadian governments and, of course, uh, resulted in retaliatory tariffs. But how fascinating to read earlier in the day that uh, Mitch McConnell and uh, Rand Paul, senators from Kentucky, uh, had been involved in a $200 million um, subsidy from a Russian aluminum factory. Yeah, that was the story that jumped out to me on Friday as well. <laughs> that was like flashing yellows. And, of course, the night before we had... Deripaska. Yeah, no Deripaska, who's heavily involved with all these uh, the Russians that are connected to the Trump campaign. Let's remember that nine high-ranking Trump uh, campaign officials had extensive contacts with the Russian Russians, collusion or not. But anyway, other interesting events that happened in the morning. Uh, we had a report that Michael Flynn, uh, <clears throat> court documents, revealed that Michael Flynn's lawyers had been contacted repeatedly by Trump's lawyers after he agreed to start cooperating with the special counsel. Hmm. Uh, fascinating to learn at one point that uh, after a tr Trump had allowed Michael Flynn to resign. He called him and uh, 
and uh, told him to stay strong. The exact same conversation he had with Michael Cohen. Then earlier, later in the morning, the Chinese announced that they were canceling a multi-billion-dollar pork uh, purchase from the United States, further damaging agricultural uh, uh, the agricultural situation here in America for the farmers. And all of this is going on while Jared Kushner comes up with a Mideast peace plan. It's going to be a really good peace plan, I think. The Gulf states are are going to buy off a bunch of people. Uh, it's somewhat delusional. And, of course, there was a uh, <clears throat> immigration proposal thrown out there for good measure. So there's all this bad news on Friday morning. And what does Trump do to alleviate the pressure? He suddenly announces late in the afternoon that he's taken the tariffs down, this self-inflicted wound uh, that he created uh, many moons ago as part of the uh, <clears throat> pressure, I guess, on, on Canada that's that's actually hurt American farmers. Canada and Mexico both retaliated. And by the way, Mexico had raised tariffs on American pork. So the pork thing was connected. Fascinating. Uh, a lot of this was uh, sort of uh, brushed aside and whitewashed by the media over the weekend. And needless to say, mostly what they were talking about was the the tariff agreement, the uh, uh, so-called uh, peace agreement, the immigration proposal, and, of course, abortion. What do we get from Donald Trump on Sunday? Oh, he's opposed to the Alabama-Missouri abortion bills, having said nothing over the past two or three weeks. Opposed to them in principle or in part? Because even Pat Robertson... Yeah was opposed to it uh, regarding its degree of punishment. Well, I think that may be too much of a punishment for a doctor who performed it. In fact, I'll agree with Pat Robertson myself and find it remarkable that the law was crafted in such a way that the doctor who performs an abortion on a woman who's conceived after a rape will receive a sentence like three to five times longer than the rapist. Yeah. That's that's a great law, really, really well thought through. Yeah, and it's not properly named, I might add. I'll, uh... His uh, argument against its um, strenuous, uh, punitive nature was that it's going to be hard for the Supreme Court to agree that that's a good law. Sure. And uh, practically speaking, he's right there. But it just in principle, it's absurd on its face, I think. Well, and it'll, it'll be struck down uh, before it ever gets to the Supreme right. Court. So I don't even understand why the Supreme Court is going to hear this silly law. Uh, we can review some of the recent uh, abortion rulings that have gone against the so-called right to life. But the Alabama law needs to be renamed as the Judge Roy Moore Donald Trump Procreation Act. <laughs> It's got a better ring to it. Uh, I'm yeah, sure, I, <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure Judge Roy Moore had a had a helping hand. Him and him and Sassy. Compulsory motherhood. Sassy was his horse, by the way. Not to be confused with the Sassy you may hear every now and then down here on CBN. Oh, right, the Lassie spoof uh, public service announcements. Yes. Uh, so, a uh, very uh, strange week, and of course, uh, yeah. today's fascinating 
account of uh, uh, Jared Kushner uh, borrowing uh, money from Deutsche Bank in 2016, 2017. This is where these uh, investigations are headed, by the way. Obviously, the courts are going to be heavily involved in uh, figuring out what's what. Uh, well, documents have already been subpoenaed by various uh, congressional uh, committees. Uh, I think oversight uh, is one in particular. And, of course, Trump has sued Deutsche Bank, not for the first time, but this time to prevent them from releasing documents, which they had already agreed in principle to turn over. So that'll have to work its way uh, through the courts. But this afternoon, there was a federal judge who found against the president that he must turn over financial documents uh, for congressional oversight. Sure. Uh, saying that if, you know, if, uh, relative to the emoluments clause uh, investigation, violations thereof, that if Congress has the power to investigate, it therefore it has the right to subpoena for uh, the documents necessary to pursue that investigation. And this, clear. Is, this is all getting, you know, strung out, uh, the, the process is just going to keep uh, going on and on. Mnuchin, of course, doesn't comply with the tax document request. Uh, the Trump administration keeps raising this uh, red herring of no legitimate leg legislative purpose. Uh, correction. It's called Watergate and Teapot Dome. <laughs> uh, the Teapot yeah. Dome scandal resulted in the law that allows uh, those... Uh, federal tax records to be turned over and leave it to trump to be so scandal ridden so grotesquely corrupt that we've we superseded the level of watergate type of shenanigans and hijinks uh months ago that he had to go all the way back to the teapot dome uh to uh he is the greatest of all the the most corrupt the most scandal ridden so it's just great. Well, great job. Certainly his level of mendacity is unprecedented. It's been recently documented that he's got 10,000 lies and counting. Of course, part of all the interesting other developments over the weekend was the fact here locally, here in the state of Michigan, that Justin Amash, hey, tea, tea Party favorite, is, is the way he was uh, characterized back in 2011, has actually read the Mueller report, which I give him credit for. Uh, I haven't even done that. I'm working my way through it. It's uh, I've I've read excerpts, but I'm log. I'm reading enough other stuff on the fundamental issues of money laundering and suspicious uh, replenishments of uh, finances here and there. Uh, Kushner's involved in this. Uh, the inaugural committee, by the way, is being investigated as are the Trump foundations, et cetera. Well, it was announced this afternoon to go back to the, uh, he's a Grand Rapids area, uh, Congressman uh, Justin Amish. Um, today, a challenge was announced uh, to primary him. Yeah. Um, so they'll have to go to the right of him. Now, he's a bit of an outlier, something of like Rand Paul often goes off in an independent fashion uh, in opposition to uh, what the Republicans generally want to do. Um, but, uh, the fact that he, you know, the primary challenge was announced immediately. So they're to the right of this guy. 
that's going to be baffling because a primary challenge to the right of a Tea Party Republican is probably not going to be a very good candidate come general election time. So, again, the Republicans paint themselves further into that extremist corner uh, where the most rabid element of their base is all that they'll have left. And he did break with the president a couple of um, weeks ago, um, probably two months ago, on the issue of uh, the diversion of funding from uh, the military Mm -hmm. to the wall. Right. That's another thing that's pending uh, before Congress. But, of course, leave it to Trump to hurtle out insults. Uh, he, what does he call Amash? A loser, uh, intellectual lightweight, uh, Mueller. Boy, hey. there's the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, and Trump, <laughs> of course, exonerated himself without ever reading uh, the Mueller report. Uh, I, don't, I doubt he's even read summaries of it. Uh, and William Barr... Um, can only cover for Trump so long. So we'll see how the Amash thing uh, develops. Uh, Obviously, Trump is going to, you know, go after him, period. Uh, That may actually help him get reelected. Indeed. (laughs) Some Democrats may say, well, at least this guy occasionally stands up to the president but, you know, the name-calling and Trump's style of attacking even uh, Republicans is fascinating. I've been slogging through a book called The List, a week-by-week reckoning of Trump's first year by uh, Amy Siskind. This is a fascinating book with lots of footnotes, lots of details, and uh, remarkable stuff, even stuff that I've forgotten about. It happens... Uh... Just one punch to the face after another. So I recommend this book. Uh, Amy Siskind is a sort of a national uh, reporter uh, who's worked uh, apparently uh, for the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times. She is a national spokesman, um, an expert on helping women and girls advance and succeed, a former Wall Street uh, executive. She's president and co-founder of The New Agenda, a national organization working on issues including economic dependence, advancement, gender representation, and bias, and campus sexual assault. But it's fascinating to go back to the week of of the 24th of October, roughly, when Donald Trump began attacking Bob Corker, and Jeff Flake. This is 2017. 2017. And this book, by the way, is just a detail, just the details from 2017. Having said that, I'll just mention very quickly um, the way this book is set up. She's got week-by-week breakdowns with items that she wrote down and then sources them in the back with incredible uh, footnote detail. I just wanted to read a couple of things just on page 370 and 371. I'll start out with the steel stuff here because it's important. Bloomberg Business reported that at least a quarter of the pipes used in the Keystone XL pipeline came from a Russian steel company whose biggest shareholder is a Russian oligarch and Trump family friend, Roman Abramovich. Item 118, foreign steel imports are up 24% in 2017. More than 60 steel workers met with Congress in September. 
to tell them of their growing frustration with the White House delays. Commerce Wilbur Ross said the regime is focused on tax reform. Um, Wilbur Ross, of course, has got his own uh, connections to Russian oligarchs and suspicious banking uh, involving the island of Cyprus. Uh, this is all uh, fascinating stuff. But as for the name-calling, it's fascinating. Uh, Corker and Trump began their battle uh, earlier that week, and Corker said that uh, Trump was debasing the country with his untruths, name-calling, and attempted bullying. Trump responded in a series of tweets calling Corker a lightweight who couldn't get elected dog catcher in Tennessee. Trump also falsely claimed that Corker helped Obama give the United States a bad Iran deal. And, of course, this had started a couple of days earlier um, when Corker, who was chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, began raising some questions about Trump's foreign policy. He then began attacking Flake. And the same things happened. Flake gave a speech on the congressional floor cautioning America against the new normal. We must never adjust to the present coarseness of our national dialogue set by Trump, including the regular and casual undermining of our democratic norms and ideals. He added the efficacy of American leadership around the globe has come into question and cautioned despotism loves a vacuum and our allies are now looking for uh, leadership elsewhere. Trump, of course, um, attacked Flake. Flake uh, criticized Trump, calling, uh, criticizing Trump for, quote, normalizing lies, calling fake things true and true things fake. And I think that is a apt summary of the uh, entire Trump uh, regime. She uses that phrase throughout the listing. Yeah, I was going to say, was that her use of that word or uh, Ross's? <laughs> because, of course, it has certain connotations. It sure does. Which are uh, not uh, inapt. And, of course, uh, you know, the authoritarianism streaks with Trump uh, are long and have tentacles that reach mm -hmm. uh, virtually every state of the union, particularly Alabama. <laughs> um, uh, and And, you know... Just having Orban, for instance, last Monday in the White House uh, was a remarkable uh, feat of uh, ignorance, I would say, to say the least. Um, and, you know, this stuff with Michael Flynn is, is just fascinating to me because it was Trump's concern about, <clears throat> quote, going easy on Flynn. Uh, the, this was how the meetings with Comey early on in his presidency developed into this obstruction of justice. Comey began taking notes and found it strange. Uh, Trump has now changed his story and is now criticizing the fact that he was not briefed that Flynn was under investigation. Which is ridiculous. Ridiculous because uh, everybody uh, out here in reality, reality land knows that he was actually... Uh, briefed a, a number of times. Well, and not only that, he was cautioned by Obama himself about hiring mm -hmm. Flynn. Flynn had uh, gone to Russia a number of times, 
And Flynn was one of Trump's main right-hand men on the campaign trail. He spoke at the... From early on. Yeah, the Republican National Convention. He was a keynote speaker. Uh, What kind of vetting uh, did Donald Trump do? Uh, We know, by the way, last week that William Barr, in another effort to distract the public, has appointed a special prosecutor to investigate the investigation. Mm -hmm. Yet another one. Um, Because there is, by the way, an inspector general's report uh, coming out uh, sometime in June. Uh, This is remarkable because the claim that the FBI uh, was somehow illegally spying on Trump is silly. They were monitoring people that Trump hired. Uh, Because of their previously known contacts with Russian operatives. That's why they were investigated. Right, exactly. In other words, the American government imposed sanctions on Russia, rightly or wrongly, but they did impose them because of the Ukrainian situation. Mm. Um, Putin had effectively annexed uh, Crimea uh, back in 2015. Um, And, you know, there's fascinating historical um, information about the the, uh, objectives of Vladimir Putin. Uh, I don't think he's uh, hiding anything. He's a Russian nationalist. Sure. He's trying to re... He wants to make America great again. He does. And he wants to make Russia great again. He wants to reacquire uh, anything he can from the former Soviet Union. Mm -hmm. That's my opinion. And certainly the uh, eastern Ukraine is a big prize in the, the assets of the former Soviet Union. This, by the way, is known to be a major breadbasket of Europe. Correct. And also has ample uh, nat- natural, natural gas reserves, yeah, resources and the like. And, of course, the Crimea is a strategic peninsula uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, the Crimean War back in the 19th century was, well, we know it in America because of Clara Barton. Oh, right. Florence the Nightingale. Birth of the uh, Red Cross. Yeah. And but Red... it's uh, it, it's it's uh, tactically, militarily speaking, it's it's uh, Russia's only warm water port. And of course, that was one of those bizarre uh, wars between Britain and uh, Russia involving Turkey and France. Mm-hmm. So it's a very complicated uh, uh, situation. Speaking of Turkey, to go back to Flynn. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, uh, a judge has decided that Americans need to hear a recording of Michael Flynn talking to a Russian ambassador. I look forward to that more than I think everybody in the world together uh, was looking forward to the final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. That's going to be a very interesting recording, I suspect. Well, hopefully as maybe as many Americans as watched the final episode of Game of Thrones... I watched Zero throughout its career. The same here. But it certainly has had a lot of uh, media um, attention over the weekend. No spoiler alerts here. I don't know <laughs> that's any of the That's for char- sure. I, I don't know any of the characters. No, there's a midget king, and that's about it. But, uh, but Michael Flynn, of course, did um, uh, consulting work for the government of Turkey. Correct. Uh, Without that, having registered as... That was well known. Yep. And there has been, uh, interestingly, a falling out um, between Erdogan and Trump. 
Trump's little pocket I think over the Saudi of, thing. Yeah, well, the Saudi thing of the the Khashoggi thing, but also uh, um, <clears throat> Turkey has uh, decided to purchase some sort of defense system from Russia. Mm. So it's interesting to watch these dictators of Donald Trump, these authoritarian figures, <laughs> falling like dominoes. We've had Kim Jong Un, the international man of romance. <laughs> The first Rocket Man. Don't let this new Elton John movie fool you. You know who the Rocket Man really is. But apparently, there uh, story this afternoon uh, that Trump apparently blurted out some security intelligence information uh, in just answering a random TV interview question about North Korea, about how many sites that they mm. know them to have. It's like, well. You don't reveal your cards when you are playing cards. And yet here he is just, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, the the intelligence people, they don't want me to talk about intelligence, so I can't say much. But I can say that blah, blah. Well, no, you Whoops. just, that was what you weren't supposed to say. And, of course, those were actually Donald Trump's hotel sites. <laughs> Wonderful beaches they have in North Korea. Donald Trump can't wait. Prime undeveloped territory. To develop them uh, <clears throat> at some point. Uh, just amazing stuff just continues. Uh, and by the way, that, um, report on Flynn, I'll just, uh, cite, uh, the list by, uh, Amy Siskind. She writes that Yahoo News reported that Trump was in touch with Flynn as recently as the 25th of April, telling him to, quote, stay strong. Michael Isikoff reported this as investigations circled Flynn. He got a message from Trump. Trump apparently early in his presidency, by the way, in one of the most bizarre things in this entire book, uh, he called Flynn. Flynn was actually the national security advisor at this point. In Trump for like the first month and a half, I think he was there for uh, a little, basically little more than that. almost a month. And remarkably, this uh, this item, I'm seeing if I can find it on the fly here, because um, it's, it's just a remarkable thing. He called up Flynn shortly before letting him resign, uh, asking him about the weak dollar. <laughs> this is at three in the morning. Flynn is probably going, huh? What? Why are you calling me about this? Uh, he was puzzled. Uh, and a Bush national security advisor, here it is, a Huffington Post story seemed to call Trump's mental health into question, citing uh, leaks that Trump called Flynn at 3 a.m. to ask him about a weak dollar in the economy. A member of George W. Bush's NSC added, I genuinely do not think this is a mentally healthy president. This is like two weeks into Trump's presidency. Remarkable. Um, what Flynn would know about the weak dollar is anybody's guess. Uh, he, of course, was collecting many dollars. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's important to remember, by the way, that when he did attend a dinner in Russia in 2015, uh, something that was reported widely in the news, 
Uh, he was in the company of Jill Stein. Yeah. Green candidate for president who was the mathematical voting difference in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and and Wisconsin. Yeah, I don't know the extent to which investigations have pursued potential or possible links uh, between her campaign and uh, Russian assistance. Right. Well, who I mean, knows? That's an open question. Because there seems to be an awful lot of foreign money uh, that was funneling its way into the Trump campaign one way or another. This inaugural committee and these inaugural committee investigations, by the way, should be fascinating eventually because uh, Ukrainian oligarchs uh, allegedly uh, bought quite a number of tickets. This inaugural committee, by the way, was headed by a Trump ally named Tom Barrick, collected $107 million, and the money has not really been accounted for. It seems to, uh, quite a bit of it seems to have gone back into the Trump organization or the Trump campaign. Well, Rick Gates admitted to embezzling some of it. <laughs> so <laughs> there's some accountability there. Yeah, and that may be where the uh, infamous Paul Manafort ostrich coat came from. But the Ukrainians must have been very happy throughout. And when we say Ukrainians, we don't necessarily mean ethnic Ukrainians or Ukrainian nationalists, but more likely Ukrainians who are sympathetic with Russia. Sure, because uh, they're the, split. They're split, and they were involved in the um, changing of the Russian uh, platform on uh, supplying aid to Ukraine to work against Russian attempts to absorb and annex. Um, and that platform was changed to the favor of Russia uh, at the Republican convention. So and no the, wonder they were so uh, yeah. willing to celebrate at the inauguration. And to the dismay, by the way, of many mainstream Republicans, the sort of hardline Russian types like John McCain. This is what created some of this schism uh, within the Republican Party uh, 